1: Welcome to Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. I'm Dave Spano, joined in studio for our Week in Review with Derek Felsky. Welcome, Derek. Thanks, Dave. There was a lot of news going into this week, but the big story for sure was
2: the jobs report on Friday morning. Yeah, and it really was an interesting report. On the headline, it looked like uh, the job market is very strong. The number was 336000 almost more than twice what was forecast. But when you dug into the weeds, you saw the wage growth actually was at the slowest level since last year which is certainly something the Fed has been looking for.
1: And the Fed certainly was looking at this number because th- through their right hiking schedule, they want to dampen the economy. And part of that
2: is slowing down jobs growth. But that's really not what we saw. No, we saw a beat in terms of the number of new jobs created. Uh, the bulk of those jobs, however, were in the hospitality services area, which is usually not a source of wage inflation since so much of that is more like a minimum wage with tips not included. So it really wasn't as strong. A report as it seemed, and, and again the interest rate markets reacted. The ten-year Treasury yield jumped about twelve basis points immediately, but also but gave back most of those gains by the end of the day.
1: And by by the way, throughout Friday, they ended on a good number, up nearly four hundred points Friday afternoon, and we were have some reason for optimism from that.
2: Well, we do for, certainly. I mean, from a technical perspective, we're nearing a lot of support levels. The percentage of stocks above the fifty-day moving average at a very low level, eleven percent fear and greed index, which we talk a lot about, got as low as 16, which is where it was last fall before the market exploded in early 2023. So it's certainly a better time to be buying equities now than it was in July.
1: So let's talk about that. You know, there's so much negative news out there. And, you know, even on uh, our show here, we've talked about a pending issue with related to debt that could upset the Apple part. But there is a lot of positive news. And let's turn to what's really going to start here in about a week or so. And that's the earnings.
2: Right. Earnings are going to start coming out we get the big banks towards the end of next week Uh, expectation is for earnings to be flat but if you x out energy the expectation is for a seven percent year-on-year growth with double digit forecast for q4 and into 2024 so
1: earnings are looking good earnings growth looks good and you talk about the federal reserve and we've made mention of that through the jobs report and the pending inflation report next week if the Fed is done, that is also another positive.
2: Absolutely, we get CPI and PPI next Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, that will validate whether these trends we saw in the most recent report continue. Uh, the other thing that I thought was interesting, Dave, and we, this goes back a long way. I mean, right now the United States is paying 4.8% on the 10-year bond. In Greece, they're paying 4%, <laughs> and in Germany, 29 But in both cases, they have a higher rate of inflation than we do. So I wonder whether it, to some degree people are overreacting in this country about the threat of inflation. Well, you
1: talk about the Greek debt crisis and you'll remember that from years ago when the whole world was going to implode and now their treasury rates are near ours. So I do find that quite humorous. However, uh, let's go back to the positive story and the fact that we see that earnings reports are coming out. We expect a better number. Here's another piece of good news. Oil almost got to $100 a barrel and then did a turnaround.
2: Right. It's down about 15% in the last eight trading days. Uh, again, OPEC continues to restrict production, but in this case, there may be just a lack of demand at the moment. We've also seen gasoline prices have come off rather dramatically. I saw a 309 at the pump uh, on my way to work the other day. Uh, so gasoline prices have backed off as well. So it's very possible from what I've seen recently that the Fed may actually engineer a soft landing.
1: Well, we'll have to see because, you know, you look at a lot of the numbers and when they've raised interest rates as quickly as they've done, and we've went back 40 or 50 years, that generally is followed by a slowdown. But this time may be different. And that one of the most important terms in the financial services business, because the outcome is really related to what the inputs are. And I'm talking about a substantial raise in short-term rates.
2: Right. But I think, you know, I think we have to think about what happened with COVID. You know, interest rates stayed so low for so long that it allowed companies to refinance at incredibly attractive levels. It allowed homeowners to refinance their mortgages at under 3%. So those folks are not sensitive to higher interest rates. In fact, corporations are benefiting because right now the net interest income they're receiving on their cash is higher than what they're paying in debt. So it's actually a positive net interest cost, which is very unusual.
1: Yep. Good. A thoughtful week in review. Thanks, Derek. Our week in review is always available on demand, Spotify at the top of the hour and in our Axiom newsletter or wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. At
0: Annex Wealth Management, our goal is to provide insight for complex financial decisions. For attorneys seeking CLE credit, join us November 14th at Shula Steakhouse for our presentation, Treatment of Quadro Distributions Post-Divorce. For tax consequences in today's environment, join our chief economist for Navigating the Markets, Strategies in an Ever-Changing Tax Environment, November 15th at M Waterfront Grill. And come to our open house at our new location, 4901 Tamiami Trail from two. November 16th. Details at AnnexWealth.com slash events. Annex Wealth Management.
1: We're back. I'm Dave Spano, President and CEO of Annex Wealth Management, riding along with Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer. And no doubt, Derek, there was a lot to talk about this week, but the overriding story might be something that the daily person doesn't look at, and that's the 10-year Treasury.
2: Yeah, the 10-year uh, closed the week at roughly uh, 4.8%, which is up sub- substantially on the week. And one thing that I thought was interesting, Dave, in the market action this week, is you'd expect with, with the 10-year Treasury yields rising that much, so the the tech heavy NASDAQ would suffer, but it actually didn't. And when I look at 2024 estimates, I'm looking for information technology to run a roughly an 18% year over year increase communication services, a similar number. So a lot of the positive performance we've seen from the NASDAQ probably reflects optimism about the impact that AI can have on the income statements of many of these large companies. So let's
1: talk about that for a minute. So there's 500 names in the S&P 500, obviously the top seven, the mega cap really was pulling the train along the way. So you look at the other 490 to 493 names that are out there, but you really have to break those apart because some of those sectors are very debt laden. And of course, when interest rates go up, that affects their portfolios. Examples would be, for for example, you think about staples, utilities, and real estate.
2: Absolutely. They've been abysmal performers this year. And, you know, when you look at the mega caps, the top seven names, they're trading at about 27 times earnings by nowhere near the valuation we saw at the peak of the tech bubble in nine, and 2000, but the rest of the market is trading about 16 times. So between now and year-end, our expectation is that technology will continue to trade reasonably well given the forecast for next year, but there could be a hurry-up catch-up move in the rest of these stocks because small caps are also down 22% from their all-time high, and that's a significant valuation disparity with large caps.
1: And there's a term we call reversion to the mean, and that may happen, but you were telling me on the way to work this morning that there was a person in front of you who kept riding the brakes fronty on the way to the on the freeway. And it drove you nuts. But it's kind of what the Fed is doing right now.
2: Well, the Fed, you know, you and I've had a lot of fun, you know, criticizing the Fed talking about them driving through the rearview mirror and the like, and, you know, waiting for data, as opposed to looking at, you know, data that's kind of has leading aspects to it. And right now, I think the Fed is in a data dependent mode. And if, if things continue the way they are, it's very possible we will not see a rate hike in November, there's only a 32% probability of that. And it may be that just by talking about being vigilant about inflation, they're doing the job they need to do.
1: Yeah, job owning. And so let's talk about what this means for everyone listening to the show. How do you look at your portfolio and where should you be positioned? There is opportunities, not only in equities, but in the fixed income portfolio as well.
2: Right. In fixed income, what we've been doing is gradually, and I mean gradually, increasing the duration of our portfolio, meaning that we believe that with growth likely to slow in 2024 from the pace of the third quarter this year, that uh, that interest rates may fall, which would allow people to generate a profit on the long side in, in treasuries. In addition, we own a lot of a shorter duration vehicles, generating about a 5% yield. And then in equities, because we believe duration is the way to go, we recently added a little bit to our tech exposure.
1: And you talk about really another leg of the stool, and that is just sitting on the sidelines and putting the money in cash. We're talking to a lot of potential clients who like getting 5% in money
2: markets. Right. And it's a real yield. It's It's, it's above the rate of inflation. So that's a good thing. And then the nice thing about it is you buy treasury bills, for example, they're extremely liquid. If you feel there's an opportunity uh, to upgrade your portfolio by potentially adding to your equity exposure on weakness, if it occurs, then you can easily do that.
1: And you talk about you know what we set up before, that there is a potential for a rebound going into Q4. That's seasonality. And that's really my final thought.
2: And that's always been a powerful thing. You know, They always say sell in May and go away, but by extension, they're saying buy in November 1st. And sell on, you know, April Fool's Day, if you will. Uh, And that's something that over the years has happened. And and I think we're kind of set up for that. The sentiment positioning is very negative. The valuations, as I mentioned, on the vast majority of stocks are more attractive. And the reason for those tech stocks to do as well as they have is that AI is going to lead to a lot of capital spending on the part of companies.
1: And one more thing that we talked about is there's this oversold environment. In fact, there are a lot of stocks that really are down significantly at this point.
2: Right. I, I refer to the fear and Greed index—that's one indicator of, of negative sentiment. But in terms of valuations, you see some utility stocks now trading at levels they haven't traded to in my career. Frankly, they've been just murdered recently, and also, you know, some of the areas of, of consumer staples and uh, real estate are also fairly attractive. We we're looking at one data center REIT this week that we may add to our portfolios. That is not hasn't been this cheap since nineteen uh, since twenty eighteen. Yep,
1: and and there's there's lots more like that. So let's change gears. By the way, the IRS says they're getting better with customer service they also say they're stepping up enforcement what does that mean for taxpayers we'll dig in after the break this is money talk the annex wealth management show
0: at annex wealth management we believe every portfolio tells a story after all we've analyzed thousands some reflect diligence and fortitude others a mishmash of overlapping investments When Annex reviews your portfolio, we spot what works, what might not, and then provide unbiased suggestions free from sales commissions. Every portfolio tells a story. Let's work on yours. Investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning. As a fee-only fiduciary, that's our story. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. The $1.7 trillion Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 increased the IRS budget by roughly $80 billion over 10 years for expansion, and modernization efforts. What are we seeing so far, and what can we expect to see? Our guy Eric Strom, always on top of this, he's the financial planning manager at Annex Wealth Management, as well as a CFP, and an EA, an enrolled agent with the IRS, Eric, let's start there. What's an EA?
3: An enrolled agent is similar to being a CPA. However, this credential is awarded directly from the IRS and it is the highest credential that the IRS awards. Enrolled agents have all the same rights to represent a client before the IRS, just like an attorney or a CPA would.
0: Do you have a special phone number you can use?
3: Yeah, but I can't really talk (laughs) about that. I bet
0: you can't. The IRS says this funding has allowed the agency to, quote, dramatically improve services to taxpayers and aided its goal to continue to ensure that wealthy individuals pay their taxes. Let's tackle those goals in order. First, what did the agency say about improvements in its operations?
3: Well, this is a big positive because there have been a lot of customer service complaints from the IRS, from both taxpayers, you know, all of us here as Americans, and from professionals as well, But this year we saw an improvement. Janet Yellen had set a target of, we want to see 85% level of service during the 2023 filing season. And we did actually see 87% achieved. So that's a big positive. We saw the IRS taking millions of more phone calls than the prior year. And this is great, Danny. They cut phone wait times Mm -hmm. down from 28 minutes to three minutes on average. And that's something that makes a really big difference. Um, And just more modernization and new scanning technologies and other improvements have been really welcomed. And by the way, IRS practitioners or those of us who actually call the IRS on behalf of clients, we were having those wait times as well. Holy cow. So have you noticed any of this? Oh, yeah. It's definitely improved this year. And not only in our own experience, but I uh, stay engaged with a lot of other professionals around the nation and everyone has really noticed a big improvement. They've also worked through a lot of the backlog. There have been unbelievable backlog of returns not processed by the IRS. And a lot of that has improved quite a bit.
0: Eric Strom is financial planning manager at Annex Wealth Management, CFP, also an EA with the IRS. The $80 billion increase in the IRS budget over 10 years for expansion and modernization. They had a decade of budget cuts that prevented them from keeping pace. And what the IRS labeled as the increasingly complicated set of tools the wealthiest taxpayers use to hide income and evade taxes. You know, that, that's kind of a charged statement, but I guess it's true.
3: What's the progress there? They targeted 175 taxpayers that had income of over a million dollars a year, but these taxpayers had delinquent taxes that they owed, and the IRS was able to bring in already $38 million in recoveries from those people and they kind of sang that from the mountaintops. They want everyone to know. And then the IRS commissioner used these words this is just the start. That kind of does invoke some fear in some people. Okay, this is news to me but
0: what do you know about the schemes in like, Puerto Rico and outside the U.S. specifically the little tiny island country of Malta where evasion laundering and false tax returns flourish?
3: Well, it's interesting you bring that up because the IRS puts out what they call the dirty dozen tax scams, and both of what you just mentioned were on there. They're both pretty interesting. Now, with Puerto Rico, we actually have thousands of Americans who are living in Puerto Rico specifically really incentivized to go there to avoid paying federal income tax, including, by the way, Danny, dividends, capital gains, investment type income. And this is above board. You need to live there. I believe it's 183 days or more. So there are certain rules. But what's happening is that there are operators that are scheming and they're getting people who don't actually spend those days there claiming that they have this special exemption when they really don't. And this is happening in an organized fashion. So they are trying to crack down now on this fraud that's really happening out there with poor Puerto Rico. Well, Puerto Rico and Malta, they're lovely places that you could spend a long time,
0: but people just aren't staying there enough. Right. Right.
3: right. But let me tell you about Malta, though, because it's pretty interesting. So what's happening there, we're seeing this, it's called a Maltese pension scam. So what people are doing, people are actually, let's say, Danny, that you've been a really successful investor here in the US. Maybe you've got lots of appreciated holdings that you haven't paid those taxes on, but they're appreciated. People are opening up a pension in Malta, then contributing those appreciated, securities to their Maltese pension, selling the securities within the pension, and then taking a distribution out. This is a way to completely evade the taxes. It is not at all legal, but it is happening a lot more than you might think to the point where it made it to that dirty dozen list.
0: We do a lot of tax planning. What's the legit way to really reduce your taxable income?
3: Well, there are many ways to legally avoid taxes, not evade. Notice we said avoid taxes and reduce taxes. First of all, the big question off the bat, are you a business owner or not? Because business owners have tremendous additional power beyond non-business owners to have a lot of impact. There are many, many strategies depending on your entity and other factors for business owners. But even for non-business owners or retirees, there are a lot of ways that you can reduce taxes. First of all, you want to take a long-term view because many of us in retirement, taxes are the number one expense that you will have. Number one. Research shows that. With that in mind, there are long-term strategies, charitable strategies, of course, but also things like Roth conversions or gain harvesting, loss harvesting. These are bread and butter tax strategies that work really well, especially when viewed over a long term and repeated many, many years with that detailed ongoing tax planning.
0: We do tax planning for our clients year round. We can do it for you. Head to the website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Startup button. Eric Strom, Financial Planning Manager, CP and an EA with the IRS at Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Danny. When you come to Annex, you get the whole team. That approach means you'll consistently interact with a group of experienced professionals who have key credentials, certifications, and knowledge in investment, tax, estate planning, and more. Visit AnnexWealth.com and click that Get Started button. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning Development, CFP, and a CDFA, Certified Divorce Financial Analyst, is here. Welcome back. Hi, Danny. We've covered the topic of the gray divorce previously, and I wish we didn't have to, but let's do it again. Mm. We'll start at the top with a definition.
4: Sure. So gray divorce is categorically those over the age of 50 years old. Over 60, they're referred to as silver splitters. While the divorce rate may statistically be going down, this particular demographic is on the rise, with over 25% of divorces being over the age of 50.
0: Financially draining, emotionally harrowing, just uh-huh. plain messy. Did it get better or worse during the pandemic?
4: Well, the pandemic skewed a lot of numbers in the economy, and divorce was also one of them. We actually saw the rate of marriages and divorces drop by 12% in 20 and 2021. But we're going to have to see how the numbers come up now coming out of COVID when the courts are flowing a little bit better oh, and quicker. Sure.
0: You know, we tend to think of retirement as a time of golden years together, but that isn't the case with the great divorce. And one of the reasons couples divorce is retirement. Weird, right? They hit Mm. retirement and find incompatibility, conflict. I know that during our discussion with clients and on our radio shows, we walk people through discussing expectations.
4: You bet, because since older couples have potentially accumulated a more complex estate, the separation of assets does become trickier. This can even make it more difficult for someone on the cusp of retiring. Many times the financial duties are shared in a household couple. One will take care of the bill paying, the other will take care of the investments. And statistically, the women are the ones who don't understand their investments. They feel undereducated when it comes to their finances. And you, know, you add to that the emotional trauma around divorce, the gender gap wage and women's longevity, and this can all become a formula for financial distress. Now, let's face it, A lot of times you're going through it. You just want to get it over with. And that can lead to concessions that are later regretted, such as compounding expense issues, maybe by wanting to keep the family home when they can't financially afford it after divorce or not even a good understanding of what their investments truly are or their income stream is even going into the divorce, much less coming out of it. So it's important to understand the process of divorce, yes, but it's really important to have a good understanding of your inflows and outflows, both as a couple and after the divorce is finalized.
0: If you're heading that way and if it's inevitable, do you wait until the dust has settled Or do you bolster up and get a financial plan going into it?
4: Oh, I think you need to understand going into it. That's why a financial planner or certified divorce financial analyst can assist in laying out the financials and showing, again, the expense and income, both before and after. The picture after becomes really important. And, you know, again, around the decisions of their biggest expense, which usually is their house. Can I keep the house? Becomes an important question there. And then what will I do for income after? So including Social Security options. So these are all things that need to be looked at.
0: It's probably a thing for ours estate planning team, but and it's all the estate plans Oh yeah. need to be redone.
4: Oh, yeah, like absolutely. Sure, sure. Beneficiary designations, all of that.
0: Deanne, as a CDFAA, Certified Divorce Financial Analyst, you've walked clients through this quite a bit. What have you learned over the years in regard to at least the, the steps to take?
4: Well, here are some basic steps to sidestep some common divorce issues. First off, yeah, have a copy of all your financial records as soon as you can going into this. And we're talking about bank records, tax returns, pensions, investment statements, pay stubs, any employment agreements or contracts, any awards like options through a company, and have a copy of your debts, loans, mortgages, bills. This can really save a lot of time and money of not having to potentially go through an expensive recovery process, and that's a legal process, later when it comes to revealing income, assets, debts, and analyzing them. And you'll have to file all of this in the court anyway. Also, you should have an understanding, I mentioned before, of your Social Security Benefits, if you were married for over 10 years and not remarried, you're entitled to half your spouse's benefit or 100% of yours, whatever's higher. And by the way, it does not take anything away from your ex doesn't matter if they remarry, this will not impact their benefit. And so it's not a negotiable asset in a divorce negotiation. You want to ensure the continuation of your own income. So if you're being awarded any kind of spousal support, be sure there's a disability insurance policy in place if the payer is still working or life insurance policy, right? So if something happens to them, you'll get continuation of payments, or at least you'll get what's due to you per the marital settlement agreement.
0: It sounds super complex. Who walks with somebody on this?
4: You know, if you come to Annex, we do have myself as a certified divorce financial analyst and CPAs and financial planners who are wealth managers who can sit and do some projections. We can take a look at where you currently are and where you may end up
0: any last thoughts?
4: Yeah. Finally, even if people are going through uh, the divorce themselves, it's called pro se, and they feel they have an amicable enough relationship to do it with a mediator, we always recommend using an attorney or... You know, having someone advocate for you, there are so many considerations and having the right team at the time to ensure that you not only financially and emotionally survive the process, but helping you understand you could actually thrive after is so important.
5: We walk
0: through all of it, folks. Investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning as a fee-only fiduciary. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, CFP and a CDFA, Certified Divorce Financial Analyst, talking about the gray divorce. Thanks for joining us.
4: Thanks for having me.
0: At Annex Wealth Management, we believe every portfolio tells a story. After all, we've analyzed thousands. Some reflect diligence and fortitude. Others, a mishmash of overlapping investments. When Annex reviews your portfolio, we spot what works, what might not, and then provide unbiased suggestions free from sales commissions. Every portfolio tells a story. Let's work on yours. Investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning. As a fee-only fiduciary, that's our story. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Know the Difference with Annex Wealth Management, joined by Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back. Good to be here. Retirement Plan Services at Annex Wealth Management can get down to the nitty gritty for company owners, CFOs, HR professionals when it comes to assisting in benefit plans that attract and retain great employees. It could also take things down to a very basic level so the employees in the program understand the benefit. And that's where we're going with this, 10 Things You Must Know About 401Ks. Tom, these bad boys have been around for 40 years, huh? Yeah, isn't that incredible?
6: Yeah. Some great stuff here.
0: They're humble and lovable. The first one is you get a tax break for contributing to a 401k. Ding, ding, ding. That's that the That is correct.
6: People talk about matches and all this other stuff. Don't forget the tax benefits. And we'll actually circle back around to this again on number eight. So yes, tax benefits, keep that in mind. Yeah, what you put in comes off your taxable income. That does. In the pre-tax scenario, yes, it does. Uh, but also yes. number eight is Roth, so gotcha. we'll get there. All right, we're going to get there. Number two, their contract distribution limits for 401ks. There are. So there are legal limits. It's $20,500 6500 if you are 50 or older. That's here for 2022. There could be limits on your plan itself. They're a little bit lower than that, but That's a detail that that we won't get into here, but those are basically the guidelines, yeah. Safe to say, if you really want to pile in, you can do it. That's right.
0: Number three thing to know about
6: 401ks, you may be auto-enrolled. Not a terrible thing. This is getting to be more and more popular. It's actually being very encouraged by the government to just automatically enroll people because what you find is most of the time when people are automatically enrolled, they stay in. Help me help you. Fourth thing to know about 401ks, there are fees. What do you know? Uh, it's not free, Danny. Uh, the thing about the fees is you want to make sure you understand how they work. There are fee disclosures. There's the 408B2 employer disclosure, and then there's the 404A5 participant disclosure. But yeah, take a look at those things. So, And if you have questions, ask your advisor for sure. Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services.
0: 10 things you need to know about 401Ks. Number five, you can choose from a selection of funds
6: in your 401K. Yeah, and typically you're going to find a, a broad range of... Most of the time these days, you will also see target date funds, which are kind of a one-stop shop, but most 401k plans are going to have a a pretty decent option from which to choose. If you're looking for more information on target date funds, I
0: believe you've got a great video on our Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel. That is correct. The What's That series.
6: Number six, your employer might let you choose individual stocks in your 401k. Might. Might you see this with bigger plans? A lot of times it'll be the the stock of the company itself, um, and then other times there'll be brokerage accounts in there. You don't see that as much, and those are kind of expensive. Be careful with those. That's the sort of thing you just do want to be careful with in a four hundred one k plan. Good advice.
0: Seventh thing to know about four hundred one k s: you may have a Roth four hundred one k option. That's right.
6: Okay, I guess I was wrong. I thought it was number eight. Yes, Roth in a four hundred one k plan. The key thing to keep in mind here is that the limits that apply to Roth IRA contributions, the income limits, do not apply in a 401k plan. So most plans do have Roth these days. If your plan doesn't have it, you should ask why and ask them to add it. I'm a big fan of the Roth.
0: Okay, then number eight on the list, you can roll
6: over a 401k account. That's right. So when you leave your employer, you have the ability to do a variety of things with your balance. You can either take a distribution. We don't usually recommend that one. You can usually roll it into an IRA. Sometimes you can actually leave it in the plan depending on how much money you have, $5,000 or more. You can't be forced to take it out. And you can oftentimes roll it into your new employer's plan if you want to do that. So a lot of options there. We've got an entire website that kind of walks through your your options folks.
0: And if you've recently taken a job, um, we can help on, on that as well. The ninth thing on the list to know about 401ks, eventually you must withdraw money from the 401k.
6: Yeah, there are required minimum distribution rules associated with 401ks, just like there are in the IRA world. A little crossover, some differences between them. But, I mean, the whole idea of saving is to, at some point, take it out. So make sure you're paying attention to that. By that point in your life, hopefully you're working closely with an advisor, and they'll keep track of all that stuff for you.
0: And the final thing to know about your 401k, and it's it's the 10th thing of this 10... Point list. It's my least favorite thing, yeah, Danny.
6: Yeah, I, I was going to couch it there. Um, you can borrow from it sometimes. A lot of plans do not allow for loans. I actually recommend to our clients that they don't allow for loans, and if they do, that they limit the number of loans to you know one. Try not to think of your 401k as a piggy bank. It is my recommendation. Find some other way to fund that thing that you're looking for. Don't don't pillage your retirement because you're going to regret it later on down the road. And there's a huge gotcha if you leave the job. Yeah, then it's no longer a loan. It becomes a distribution, and you have to pay taxes and penalties and all that fun stuff. And that's heartbreaking. We do see that more often than I'd like. And, you know, it's just one of those things that if you were in a situation where you needed a loan in the first place, you just add an insult to injury when you get hit with the tax bill.
0: Company owners, CFOs, HR professionals, great benefits attract and retain great employees. If we can help, contact Tom Parks. You can do that via our website, right, Tom? That is correct, annexwealth.com for investment, retirement planning, tax planning and estate planning, we do it as a fee only fiduciary. Know the difference. Our website annexwealth.com. Click that get started button. Tom Parks, Director, Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Danny. If you'd like an honest opinion of where you are financially and where you're
5: headed, it's time for Wealth Metric. Don't ask why, ask why not. Unleash the power of what's next. Wealth Metric, powered by Annex Wealth Management. Click the get started button at annexwealth.com.
0: Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? I spotted a fascinating study titled Longevity and the New Journey to Retirement, Covering Aging and Financial Habits in America. I immediately thought of Mark Beck, our Managing Director of Wealth Management Services. And just like magic, here he is. Hey, Mark. Hi, Danny. So you're in front of many of our clients. You've got significant experience seeing them progress through phases of retirement. This study names four sub-phases that people might pass through. I want to talk about the four sub-phases, get your thoughts and perspective. The first phase, which is actually accounting for the 10 years before retirement, is what's called the anticipation phase. It's marked by optimism, excitement over the prospect of retiring with some anxiety over financial readiness. This is the period in which financial advice is most sought. Is that what you find? Well...
5: I'm actually glad to hear people talk in terms of 10 years prior to retirement. I would say I see that more around five years prior to retirement, where people start to dial in and get a little more focused and a little more detailed. But 10 years is a better window. Really, you should be getting financial advice from the beginning. But when you start to think about solidifying your plan, preparing for retirement, that's a good phase to think about. There's some of the questions, by the way, in my mind that come up that are common to be addressing here. This is the do I have enough money conversation, really? And there's a lot of different ways that people approach that, but at the heart of it is really that aspect, right? And the other piece is what don't I know? So what are the things I need to be putting in place to properly prepare myself to make that transition into retirement? If
0: people feel that they might not have enough, are there things that they can do? 10 years, 5 years out, that can address that?
5: Oh, absolutely. You know, it's you. this is where you're going to solidify, am I adequately saving enough? Am I doing it efficiently enough? So, for example, I can maybe save more, but if I do it post-tax instead of pre-tax, it'll be more valuable in retirement. So move some needles a little bit. You're also really starting to pay attention to what your lifestyle costs. Get focused on that, and you think about what is my actual cash flow, not what's my income, not what did the W-2 say, you know, when I was doing my taxes but what does my cash flow need? And you can see that that will be a dramatically different number. The second phase, which runs from the day after retirement to two
0: years being retired, is the liberation slash disorientation phase. Here, new retirees are excited by new freedoms, the luxury of time, but they're also uncertain about how to spend their time and money. Some 25% of retirees in this phase consider themselves
5: semi-retired and may still work. Do you find this? Oh absolutely semi-retirement has grown in popularity a lot i think it's a great tool it's a great segue from you know the career focused into kind of the retirement phase so if that's part of your plan i think it's a really good idea i like that we're also talking about how do i spend my time and my money Often I find with people who have been very, very career focused, they may not have a lot of hobbies. They might not have those things outside of work that they're really interested in. And I sort of start to nudge them around planning for what might that look like. Where are you going to spend your time? What are the things that are going to keep you engaged and feeling young and you know motivated and those kinds of things? And. Uh, You know, watching people go into that first phase, those folks that have a game plan, they know what they want to do, they have interests and hobbies, they are very well adjusted a couple of years into retirement. And those folks that are trying to reinvent that piece, they don't know where to spend their time, they struggle a little bit more with that transition to retirement. So I've witnessed that with people and try to push them. I've even gone so far... As to say to folks that are, I think are going to struggle just with the personality shift that occurs, make sure you plan right away heading into retirement where you want to take, say, your retirement vacation, because this will give you a clear break in terms of the alarm clock every single day versus there's no need for alarm clock anymore. So kind of get yourself out of your normal environment and move on. From year three to 14 of retirement, retirees are in the
0: reinvention phase, which is the heart of retirement, according to this study. It's when retirees do the most, they explore the most, family is growing, that's a big pleasure. Health becomes a little bit more of a concern,
5: and that's where retirees learn to shift their mindset from accumulation to distribution. Yeah, starting to settle into the routine of a good financial plan that they're counting on. So I think about this, if you look at the transition out of the liberation disorientation phase that we were just talking about. Financial anxiety there is usually I'm not sure if my budget numbers are right. I'm not sure if my spending assumption is right. And so therefore I'm questioning the validity of my financial plan. Now I move into this new phase here, the reinvention phase. They're starting to really get comfortable with yeah, I see what my cash flow looks like. I know that we've built a financial plan based on reasonable assumptions. This is me, this is what my plan ought to look like. And I see the outcome to it. So watching the movement of the market every single day and translating that into spendable dollars, that risk that is associated with that dissipates at this point and it gets settled in. So this is a comfort zone for people. This is where we're really just being happy about where we are financially and happy about where we're spending our time and our energies in retirement. At year 15,
0: retirees enter the reflection resolution stage. It's a good time. They've learned to live within their means. They've remained resilient even in the face of loss that they might face. They start to think about legacy.
5: Yeah, this is a big transition, too, for folks. You know, where do I want to make my impact? You know, we all start to face that reality that we're not here forever. And, you know, it's a win for all of us, not a if for all of us that we're going to pass away at someday. So thinking about what my legacy might be, how that might feel, what I want to do, what I want to accomplish. 10 years out, right on the doorstep, already retired, we take the
0: time to meet the need. Mark Beck is Managing Director of Wealth Management Services, Annex Wealth Management.
5: Thanks for having me, Danny.
0: At Annex Wealth Management, our goal is to provide insight for complex financial decisions. For attorneys seeking CLE credit, join us November 14th at Shula Steakhouse for our presentation, Treatment of Quadro Distributions Post-Divorce. For tax consequences in today's environment, join our Chief Economist for Navigating the Markets, Strategies in an Ever-Changing Tax Environment, November 15th at M Waterfront grill and come to our open house at our new location, 4901 Tamiami Trail from 2 till 5 November 16th. Details at AnnexWealth.com events. Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? NUA. What is it? How does it impact clients who are business executives? Brandon Lehman is a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management and he works with a number of business executives. In fact, you've heard him before speaking about Annex Executive, which is a program designed for executives and the unique needs and challenges.
7: Welcome back. Danny, it's great to be here. Okay, take me to school. What is a definition of NUA? All right, so let's start at the beginning net unrealized appreciation. What it is if you work for a corporation and have have the ability to own stock inside your 401k well you have a qualifying event what does that mean? You retired, you were let go, 59 and a half, and then you take that stock and everything in your 401k, lift it up and move it out. But the stock now gets to go into what they call a brokerage account. And there's a lot of tax advantages written into this. And it's, it's a very specific process that can be extremely important to a financial plan. Would somebody have that larger block of
0: their own company stock as part of their compensation?
7: Yes, but in a 401k, not always. If you think about some of the corporations we have here for Folks have worked them a very long time, some of the publicly traded. And from an early age, we're told buy the company stock, buy the company stock. Well, where was the best place to do it? It was in the 401k through those contributions. So that's what they started to do. So over 30 years, they accumulated all this company stock of great local companies.
0: Section 402E4 of the IRS tax code plays a prominent role, and I can see you nodding, so you know what that is.
7: Yeah, it's it's important that this gets into, okay, what does the IRS say you can do and how can you do it? You are allowed to take the stock out of the 401k and put it in a non-tax sheltered account. Layman's terms, no pun intended. You're putting into a brokerage account or a joint account, individual account at, let's say, TD Schwab or Fidelity. Again, the triggering event is the key that revolves around all of this. Then... The way the code works is, and this is getting somewhat heavy, but what's important to understand is, let's just use round numbers. You put in 3000 but now it's worth a hundred, and you move that stock over. You have to pay taxes on that cost basis. That's what's so important in understanding how that works. Let's talk about the two stages where stock
0: shares would be distributed within that NUA.
7: Yep. So the first is you transfer them, and it has to be in-kind. Again, there's, there's all these languages, and let's just take a step back. That's why you work with somebody when you do this. It's not something that you potentially want to go and try and do on your own, because if there's a misstep or an issue, there could be a tax liability. You got to move in kind. Then you move in kind. And now you have that stock sitting there. You pay taxes on the cost basis. If cost basis was $3, that difference, now you can sell at long-term capital gains rates, which is huge. So if you have a plan where you have no non-qualified assets right now, but you're early retiring and you can't access your 401k or you don't want to access the IRA dollars. Well, now you've created a bucket that's taxed at a lower rate that fits perfectly into your plan. It, it's all these different things that working with a wealth management firm and a wealth manager in Annex is helpful.
0: Talking about NUA with Brandon Lehman,
7: what's the window? Do you have to fast track something like this? You don't, but what's important is when you decide to do this, besides the trigger and event, it all has to be done within one year. You have to get it done. So if, if you move the stock, let's say in March, by the end of the year, you have to move that entire 401k. So what's the right way to navigate it? So you really should sit down with somebody who knows what they're doing, who's done these things before, because not only are there a lot of nuances, and you can talk to some of our client service managers who have dealt with it. It's making sure we make the right transaction at the right time, move it. But there's other things to be very aware of. Sometimes it might say you own company stock, but you don't. You own a company class share. So it's almost like a mutual fund of company shares, but not the actual stock. So that's something you should talk to your HR about, human resources, your team at work to see, do I truly own the common shares, as they're called, or do I own something else inside this 401k? Can somebody get to a low or no taxation spot? It is possible- depends on how you move the shares out, how you look at the shares. You look for those higher cost basis, so the spread is is pretty low, and then The thing to be extremely cognizant of is that cost basis can be taxable, but there's also private letter rulings out there that maybe we've talked about before. Again, getting heavy, but can be extremely important. That's why you need a team on your side. Talking about NUA with Brandon Lehman, any other things to watch out for? I think you just have to have a strategy and you have to have a plan because sometimes it doesn't make sense. You know, we have talked internally here as we do, coaching and we continue to educate ourselves, You know, what is the right balance? Is it if my cost basis is a third of the overall value, if it's a half, if it's a quarter? And really, frankly, it comes down to your financial plan. What makes sense in your planning for retirement? Do you do the NUA? Do you not? All of that is discussion and it involves a whole host of people from obviously your work, obviously your financial planner, your wealth manager, and the tax team. So at Annex, you have all of that. You can sit down at Annex and you can talk to everyone. Everyone can come in and talk to you and explain what's going on and guide you through this process step by step. And the beauty is we've done so many here and we've utilized a term called Frank Duke, which is a whole other conversation to really take advantage of and help our clients out.
0: If you're a business executive, you'd like to know more about the Annex Executive Program, feel free to reach out to Brandon Lehman. He's a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Brandon, thank you for your time. Thanks, Danny. Need to reach Annex Wealth Management? but want to skip the computer? That's no problem at all. Give us a call. We're 239-350-6363. That's 239-350-6363. Let's talk soon. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? I guess we can call this a special version of Ask Annex Is we got a rather urgent request from somebody who might be part of the great resignation. And for the uninitiated, The great resignation refers to the complete upheaval in employment happening right now. Job switches, career switches, you name it, it is happening. Here is what our anonymous person shared. Hello, Annex. I hope you can help. I'm freaking out. My company is making the news with coverage about a possible change in ownership that makes me uneasy. I've been here almost 20 years and have been involved in the company 401k, the HSA, as well as being involved with ownership of company stock. I might have the opportunity within a month to make a move to another company, but I have zero idea on what I should do with my current investments here. Are there steps I should follow? What might I be missing? Did I mention I'm freaking out about this? Let's dig in because this person is not alone. For some, it might be greener pastures with better pay and opportunity. This person's hand might be forced with a change in ownership to help us outline some of the initial steps. Let's welcome in Eric Strom, financial planning manager and a CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Hello, Eric. Hi, Danny. Also joining us, Deanne Phillips, director of client learning and development, CFP and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Hello, Deanne. Well, hi, Danny. You've got your inspector hat on. You've been looking closely and trying to parse exactly what this person is. <laughs> saying, exactly. let's say just for the sake of this segment, we'll assume the person is taking a job at a new company so they got a 401k, and HSA company stock. What do we need to cover first?
4: Well, first, congratulations. A, it sounds like a wonderful opportunity and of course it's scary. Of course you're freaking out. Change is hard, right? But it sounds like you've done the right thing and you've got these wonderful components. Your HSA, which we're going to cover in a moment. You've got a 401k. You're probably entering into a new company where you will also have better benefits such as a 401k or something like that, a retirement plan, and uh, depending on your health care, too, and HSA potential, and potential for other types of maybe deferral, maybe some options, maybe some deferred comp. So there's a lot to explore here.
3: There is. And I think one of the first places to start is They mentioned company stock. The company stock might be within, for example, a retirement plan like a 401k. If that's the case, there are some strategies that would be appropriate to look at that could help with the taxation of that stock. Now, the stock might also be part of some kind of equity compensation plan, and that would be a moment where you really want to sit down with a financial planner who has strong background and education in equity compensation. And these, tax. And, and tax.
4: tax is going to be really
3: important these, here. They could be performance shares or restricted stock, non-qualified stock. You want to have this reviewed at this point because the tax consequences and investment consequences could be significant here. Is the stock thing the most complicated of all of these?
4: It really is because there are different ways that you can get stock. You can get them through an ESOP or a stock purchase program. You can have them where the company drops them into your 401k, in which case, if you roll out, you have something called net unrealized appreciation potential, where it can potentially be taxed favorably in the future, but there's current tax consequences when you roll that. So so if they're separating from the company and rolling that plan, they need to understand what their options are from a tax point of view.
0: Now, they were talking about company stock, but they also mentioned a 401k. So it looks like those are two separate things.
4: Well, they might, but you can hold company stock within a 401k, oh, sure. and that is where the tax consequences become complex and you have a few options that you need to understand before you make a move.
3: The one option with the 401k, which would generally not be the best option, is to cash it in for a lump sum. Now, that can create a lot of taxes. It can spike your income. It can create penalties. So that's usually the one option, Danny, that you don't want to do. But let's talk about some of the good options that someone has when they're leaving a a job. You could keep the money in the existing 401k. You could potentially move it into the a new 401k at your new job, or you could roll the funds to your own IRA. Those are really the three main good options. There's a lot of considerations, though, to decide. First of all, you want to think about fees. Fees at the existing plan, what would fees be at the new plan, or fees in your own IRA?
4: Depending upon the new company that's coming in for this merger or this takeover, that will influence what happens with that company stock and what the options are. So you're going to be given a new set of documents and kind of a new welcome if you take this new job. It'll list your benefits. It'll give you options for that stock. But remember, because of the taxation, you're going to want to do some real planning around that. Now, if you decide to keep it, though, the other thing to do is to think about relative to your overall wealth, how much company stock do you actually own from a diversification point of view? Remember, you're already levered to that company simply by working for them and getting that paycheck. Sometimes, you know, there's no need to accumulate too much stock in one company in your overall plan.
3: Deanne, I'm really glad that you brought up the topic of understanding and evaluating the benefits and compensation package at the new company. What type of retirement plans would this person have available to them? Maybe 401k? could be deferred comp, other types of plans. What company matches might be available? Is there equity compensation? What's the healthcare look like? Is it a high deductible plan where we can do another HSA? There are so many fun things to look at when you get that big old pile of paperwork, right? The benefits at the new company. I love to really look through that and understand all of the potential plan options and really how to leverage those.
4: And how they fit into the financial plan and goals of the person
0: they mentioned an HSA, that's highly transportable, right? Yeah,
4: so that's a health savings account. So when you have a high deductible plan, a lot of times employers will open you up to having this health savings account. And what happens is pre-tax money is put into this account and you don't have to spend it by year end. There are some plans that are flexible savings plans where you have to spend them, use it or lose it by year end. HSAs are not that way. In fact, as you get closer to retirement, accumulating that so that you have tax-free money to spend for care and retirement can be a really good thing. And these can be invested, too, to grow for you for the future.
0: Job switch, perfect time to talk to a financial planner. You bet. For investment, retirement planning, tax planning, estate planning, we do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference? Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Start the wealth metric process. Eric Strom, financial planning manager and a CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thank you. And Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, CFP, and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management, thanks for the assist.
4: Thank you for having me. Is there anything
0: sweeter than the crisp sound of a driver when it connects purely with the ball? Many golfers evaluate the quality of their shot by the sound it makes. You may feel the same about your financial plan. Something doesn't seem, look, or sound right think of Annex Wealth Management as financial swing doctors. We'll give you the truly objective analysis that comes from a fee-only fiduciary with no products to push or commissions to chase. If you need help, talk to our pros. Get started at AnnexWealth.com. Have you been waiting on the sidelines for the right moment, the right headline, or the right insight to get serious about your financial plan? At Annex Wealth Management, we've learned that, unfortunately, there are no sidelines in financial planning. Doing nothing may shield you from immediate pain, but it could delay or deny your long-term retirement goals. As a fee-only fiduciary, our in-house team will work with you to create one comprehensive plan that focuses on you. Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference. Annexwealth.com.
1: We're back. I'm Dave Spano. Now joined by Brian Jacobson, our chief economist. Welcome to the show, Brian.
8: Thank you for having me.
1: You know, when we talk about uh, different clients, you know, some of the higher net worth clients have more complex needs, and therefore we do some different planning with them. And you think about, you know, what we could do. But you know, one of the the things that we do talk about is volatility. We, there's a toolbox that we can mm-hmm. use for that.
8: There is. You know, most people when they're looking at investing and they see the ups and downs in the markets, they think about managing volatility through asset allocation So, far stocks versus bonds if they're afraid of the volatility sometimes they'll just go a little bit more in bonds but what we've seen lately And bonds can actually add volatility to a portfolio. And so when we're sitting down with the higher net worth clients, uh, they oftentimes have more complex situations, which requires a little bit more sophisticated toolbox for us to use to help solve their financial problems. And
1: a lot of times, you know, we'll do this bucket theory that we've covered, and we'll we'll circle back on that in just a minute. But a lot of clients that we put in, we sometimes use no-load institutional class mutual funds or exchange traded funds, but the toolbox is bigger when you start to think about individual securities.
8: It really is, and so we have some great people on our team uh, to look at individual equities and then also individual fixed income. And for each one of those, there are different techniques that we can use in order to try to customize a portfolio to help them manage their risks. When it comes to the individual equities, there's also the ability to really use options in order to add a little bit more protection to a portfolio. As far as if you think about a put option, it's the right but not the obligation to sell a a security, uh, and also to use it to opportunistically enter and exit positions. So some rather sophisticated techniques that we can use in order to not just get people into the positions, but keep them there as well.
1: You know, you and I did a presentation this week, and somebody asked that question, and I really liked your answers that... We consider it a tool or a technique and not really an asset class.
8: It is. You know, there are some people who view options as really a strategy. And honestly, I haven't seen those strategies perform consistently all that well to really be worth the added complexity and the added cost. So we view them as tools in the toolbox.
1: So we use them on top of a security. And this give a real quick example, if you owned ABC Company, what we could do with that?
8: Sure. So if you own ABC company and you are concerned about whether or not there's going to be a market sell-off, one thing you could consider doing, and we of course would do this for you, is to actually purchase like a put option which would provide some of that downside protection. You have to pay a price for it in terms of what's called the option premium, but it does provide you some protection on the downside.
1: And you think about, for example, individual equities that we can do that. You know, we can target exposure, and we can also look at their volatility because the more they the more they move around the more some of these tools and techniques work better.
8: That is correct. And actually, I think a good example of that is back in August, things were looking pretty complacent in the markets. And we actually viewed that as a good opportunity. Uh, Effectively, the market was giving us an opportunity to add insurance, these put options, at a very low price. And then all of a sudden you see the markets trade down. The value of some of these options can actually go up to offset some of those losses.
1: And then the fourth bucket that we talked about, we talked about equities individual equities. We talked about bonds, individual bonds. We talked about cash and that's an opportunity, but there's a fourth part of the portfolio, and that's alternative investments.
8: Yeah, alternatives, that's really a passion of mine. I really enjoy studying those and trying to work with clients to find out when it's appropriate to use it as part of their portfolio. And it's a very large group of types of investments. Our main focus is looking at sort of expanding that investment opportunity set. Basically, the more options that you have as far as to invest in, and that's what private markets can do. It could be private equity, it could be private real estate, or private credit. Now, alternatives is a very broad umbrella. It could also include sophisticated trading strategies, but the ones that we tend to like on the investment committee are more related to these private market opportunities.
1: And you think about, for example, where we are as a firm, we have a private client group, of course, that you are part of that has access to the estate planning attorneys on our team, the CPAs, PhDs, such as yourself. And so those strategies and tools can be implemented. And one of the places that you can take a look, at it is through tax smart investing.
8: That's correct. And we do the asset location along with the allocation. And just as an example of that, if you're considering your fixed income investments and then your equities, if you have, let's say just a typical example, like a Roth account, maybe you want to put the equities in the Roth account and then put municipal bonds in the taxable account. So something as simple as that, an asset allocation and location integration can help improve the tax efficiency of an overall portfolio
1: and folks if any of this makes sense to you we can give you a test ride come in and have a conversation with our team and see if we are a good fit There's a way to get that done by going to annexwealth.com and hitting the get started button Thanks for listening. Make a positive change for your investment in retirement planning and work with a fee-only fiduciary. We're ready to help. We'll see you in a week. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show.